Hi, and welcome to show number 34 of the El Calcita Travel Talks, a podcast where people share travel stories and adventures. My name is Tony Lloyd, and I'm your host. In today's show, I talk with my guest about how he decided to relocate to Cuenca, Ecuador after the pandemic changed his life around. But before we start, I'd like to thank all the people who've donated so far to this program. And if you're someone who would like to donate, please take a look at the podcast notes to see how you could do so. I'd like to give a shout out to all the people that are listening to us in different countries all over the world, from Spain, Korea, France, Germany, Switzerland, England, the Netherlands, and a whole lot more. Please take a look at our Facebook page for the written stories. And if you're someone who likes to write or have an idea for a future show, please send an email to lcafcitatraveltalks at gmail.com. For any comments or suggestions that you might have on how to improve on this show, please send me an email at that same address, which is lcafcitatraveltalks at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe so that you get all the updates as soon as the new shows come in. And leave reviews, hopefully if they're five over five, so others could also enjoy in this program. This episode was recorded live here at the rooftop of the El Cafecito, so you'll hear some background noise from the plaza down below. Also, it's a space that we're currently developing into a co-working space for all the travel nomads out there that are looking to come to Cuenca, where you could enjoy a great view of the city of Cuenca while sharing ideas with other digital nomads. For now, I invite you to get yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy today's show. My name is Caspian, and I am now living in Cuenca, Ecuador for an undetermined amount of time. Okay. And Caspian, how did you how did you end up in Cuenca? Uh, I took an airplane. <laughs> I took an airplane, okay. Uh, no, like most I, of us did. Yeah, no, um... You know, so when the pandemic hit, everything in my life kind of ended at once. Uh, everything resolved uh, in a manner of speaking. I didn't have a job. My housing situation changed. My my dog died. It was just kind of like I didn't really know what was going to come next. My life became pretty instantly a blank slate, a, a clean canvas. And I knew I wanted to paint something on that canvas that I hadn't painted before. And I had always been curious about Ecuador, but never really considered it until it became an option for me like everything else was done so why not why not you know? okay yeah and in ecuador how it was maybe some of the first times you'd heard about it you said you've been curious how did that oh. curiosity come about um i mean the 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 galapagos islands are you know famous the world over you know and i think that was maybe my first introduction to the country. But uh, my father had subscribed to International Travel Magazine and um, Ecuador was a place that he had often uh, talked about wanting to uh, travel to. Yeah, so that was kind of, you know, I, I already knew a, a little bit about about Ecuador from that. But uh, I think also, like, I, I'm generally a, a geography geek and I like knowing where other parts of the world are and, you know, what people live there and what it's like and, and what they're doing so, there. yeah yeah so mm-hmm. yeah so ecuador wasn't like where in the world is this place i i knew where it was at and you know okay well how did your initial desire to travel come about my whole life i've been curious about people who have different stories different background different experiences than i've had it's kind of been something that i guess has made me sort of a, a xenophile just interested mm-hmm. in people who have a different way of seeing the world you know every language is different set of colors to paint 
the air with and I yeah I yeah so I've always been curious I remember when I was like eight or nine there were a couple of young teenage girls from Russia who had been taken in by a family on my street. This was, I think, my first real exposure to, I don't know, trying to talk to somebody who didn't speak the same language as me. And I I just remember talking to them in English and them not understanding me and telling me, you know, words back that I didn't understand and it sounded so different. That combined with uh, the movie An American Tale that I watched as a kid really made me curious about going to other places. The story An American Tale is it's a cartoon feature of this mouse who travels from Russia to the United States. I remember as a kid watching it and being more curious about where he came from than where he was going. Where was going. That's interesting. Yeah. As a child, did your family travel at all? Or did, where did, your, no. when did you start to travel? Um, my family, I mean, travel, I think, for anybody is a privilege. And, and I get that there, uh, you know, there's, there's always some financial cost associated with that. And some people travel as something they're able to make happen in their life and others not. Uh-huh. I'm the most well-traveled person in my family, and I don't think I've really actually been to that many places, but uh-huh. something that's been important to me uh, most of my life. When I was 23, I went to Russia to teach English for six months. And that was your first travel experience? That was my first like real travel experience. I okay. had you know, dipped across the border into Mexico and into Canada, but you know, it was not really a, a real travel to a different place and stay there for a while kind of experience, okay. which is what Russia was. And I wanted to go not to like Moscow and St. Petersburg, but like interior Russia. I went to uh, Ufa, which is on the western side of the Ural Mountains near the Asia border. Okay. Yeah. Well, people could check that out on Google. So yeah, cause, yeah. Because I have uh-huh. no idea where that is, but that's okay. <laughs> North of Kazakhstan. <laughs> Kazakhstan, I've heard of, uh-huh, yes, definitely. Uh-huh, yeah, almost to Central Asia, yeah. Okay, and before this trip to Ecuador, what were you doing? My, my professional background is in uh, conflict resolution, mediation work, and I, I studied that at Portland State University uh, in the United States. Got a mentorship through a local nonprofit organization called Resolutions Northwest, okay. where I learned uh, actually contextualized mediation. And that mentorship launched me into working for Airbnb, and that was an amazing job. I had never really had a job that I loved before until I started working there. And frankly, everybody that I worked with loved what they were doing too. Oh, good. Some points for Airbnb then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the pandemic, you know, crushed a lot of the uh, Airbnb infrastructure as it did for, you know, travel the world over uh, for for the hospitality industry. But um, yeah, it was phenomenal phenomenal work environment they took such good care of us my department we dealt with anything that was like that went really wrong okay um, so give us a give us an example of a, just maybe... like a dispute between like a host and a guest over mm-hmm. something you know somebody you know a lot of times when when uh somebody takes their hosting business really seriously a guest uh, the host feels that the guest has disrespected them in some way it feels really personal And so a lot of times these personality conflicts uh, could emerge. You know, sometimes it boils down to money. You know, the guest pays their fee and the host gets, you know, compensated for for the work that they've done. But there's only one set of money. And if the guest and the host both feel they're entitled to it, uh, how do we split that in a way that feels, uh, you know, fair to both parties and like any other company, you know, there, there are mistakes that, that a company could make. And then I was empowered to issue formal apologies and to okay. listen to people with, you know, when something went wrong. And can you give us an, ex- like, 
I don't know, without saying names, yeah. obviously, <laughs> that's more than obvious, a situation that happened, like a, 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 a story, you know, obviously uh, change the names. I, I honestly don't, I, like legitimately, I don't know if I'm allowed to or not, like if I'm contractually like obligated to keep, but an example okay. of the kind but of thing that exactly. could happen, Okay, exactly. um, one story does come to mind where there was a host who was really, um, she just really wanted to be liked by her guests. Okay. And the guest just really wanted some privacy. And this host was, you know, asserting herself, uh, you know, like, oh, we should have wine together and like, let me do this and that. And, and, the, and that just kind of started to produce a bigger and bigger conflict. The guests also had some complaints that the place wasn't clean enough, which offended the host. And the host came back and, yeah, I mean, being third party to the reservation all the time, like, I never knew what really happened. I mean, somebody could take photographs and, like, well, this is what it looked like and, you know, but, you know, we never knew what really happened. But in mediation, it can get really easy to get lost in those weeds of the, the, the details and I have proof. And at the end of the day, I think all of us have similar emotional needs. Sometimes it was just being heard or recognized for what was being provided or what didn't go right. I, I guess it's it's uh, being able to, to delve into listening and apologizing or recognizing what somebody's deeper emotional needs are. That Practicing that every day at Airbnb was what I loved. Okay. That was what I loved. And I was supported in doing that. And sometimes, you know, money, you know, issuing a refund or something like that is, is proof that like, hey, like, did take your concern seriously. And I was empowered to do those, those kinds of things when necessary. So. Okay. And, or there, there are times, obviously, not that we're not only always bad situations, but maybe a good situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I mean, my, my department existed because, you know, problems exist. <laughs> you yes. know, customer service in any company exists because problems exist. But um, I think the, the one thing that everybody in my office really believed in was travel. Um, and the company supported us in, you know, they gave us a travel credit that we could use to, ex- to actually use the product that we were, you know, working for um when you would hear stories about a host and a guest that had really connected and had like a transformative experience through that uh it was really really rewarding sometimes i would be talking to a host just about an account issue of sorts or, or whatever but in the process as they were talking to me they wanted to share something about what their hosting experience and journey had been like friends that they had made uh, along the way that they were still in touch with that's like the heart of what airbnb's product was about okay so at least what while i worked there that was that was what i got to experience and witness and so right now okay the whole tourism industry at this current moment is hit very hard here at the hostel we we're like with one guest right now it's just hit very hard completely i've heard a few weeks ago things like companies like airbnb that went down really low that they're considered to be the first ones to be re that that will reestablish. Is that what are your thoughts on that? Well, the reason why people say they're the first ones to be reestablished is because people are afraid of going into hotels and they'd rather go into a private space where they're not dealing with the possibility of being cross-contaminated by other people that are in the hotel. Do you have any particular thoughts on that? When I first arrived in Ecuador myself, I stayed in hostels. Okay. You know, I'm renting an apartment now on Airbnb. Okay. <laughs> One thing that I do think that, uh, I mean, Airbnb has explicitly stated this um, uh, in, you know, news releases and stuff that, that travel will resume and when it does, it will look different. One of the things that I suspected at the time that they laid off me and, and my colleagues in our Portland office was that people are going to look to do more longer term stays. Like I'm going to 
check out a different city and like stay there for a while in one spot. Okay. So that's something that the short-term rental market provides that that hotels don't quite provide in the same way. You know, ho- hotels do provide a totally different experience, and mm-hmm. I think that there's a place for hotels, and I think there's a place for the short-term rentals as far as like, the travel experience goes. Mm-hmm. One thing that I did notice on the website shortly after um, I was let go is that they now have a feature where you can search for month-long stays or more, and that's built into... Um, yeah, just like built into the website there. And that was how I found uh, the place that I'm currently staying in is that it was the host only accepts 30 days or more for uh, a guest to stay there. And I think a lot of hosts are doing that uh, as well. Okay. okay. Yourself, you are here now in Cuenca and yeah. you're staying at uh, the Airbnb. How are you adapting to life here in Cuenca? What are some of the things like for people who are thinking, hmm, maybe I want to come to Cuenca also? Okay. <laughs> okay. I tried out uh, a few different places. I was first in uh, Waikil, and I didn't venture out a whole lot because, you know, again, it's pandemic, and I don't, I don't really see myself as a traditional tourist right now because okay. tourist places are closed and the pandemic is still a reality. So Waikil is just a big concrete city, uh, lots and lots of people, and after a couple weeks there, I was like, I need to try something else. I went to Quito, and Quito is unspeakably beautiful mm-hmm. really really loved Quito but uh, I wanted to also check out Cuenca and ultimately the reason why I settled on staying a little longer in Cuenca is because it feels a little safer mm-hmm. it's a little, a little quieter and it feels more supportive for that uh, ideal of I'm just quietly living my life than kind of in a bigger metropolis that you would find in Guayaquil or Quito question that might enter in several people's minds it's like are you finding the things that you would find in the u.s here i didn't come here to look for things that i would find in the u.s okay that's a fair Uh, (laughs) way to answer the question (laughs) um that being said like there have been moments where i thought i was getting one thing and and got another so for example um pizza in my mind like pizza is, is pizza but here it's it's a little different. They don't really use a whole lot of you know red sauce on it, if any at all. I, I've had some pizza in Ecuador that just was There's just no bread sauce. with melted cheese. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, food and food culture is different everywhere. And I think if a person goes to travel abroad somewhere and they're expecting to find all of the comforts of home, they're going to be disappointed. You travel to a different place to have different experiences. Totally and, agree. And, and and some of those experiences might lead to disappointment. So whenever you like are eating international cuisine that is being hosted in the country that that cuisine is not from, okay. uh, such as like if here in Ecuador, if I go to a Chinese restaurant, I shouldn't expect to have authentic Chinese food. Um, same as you know in my hometown, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and authenticity of, of of food culture is something that sh- sure we could debate on how authentic is this food that's you know person could easily debate that but um yeah i I had some some chinese food in waikil that i was very disappointed in but that's it's part of the experience and in traveling abroad is to try things i've also had things that uh i from ecuador that was just uh really really delicious (laughs) what's one of your favorite ecuadorian dishes Uh, it's not a dish it's just it's just bread made from yuca and it's really chewy and really just uh i eat more of it than i probably should (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, and then hornado de chancho. Hornado de chancho. It's like, yeah, a, it's like a, a, pork. Por- a pork. A pork stew. Uh, yes. Yeah, and just, oh man, it was really, really delicious. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. it's easily to replace uh, some of your 
regular cuisine for local cuisine. And that's yeah, the whole idea of chocolate. It's, it's trial and error. Okay. You'll find some things are just like, wow, this was amazing to discover. And other things are just like, mm, this doesn't scratch my itch. Okay. And that's okay. It's perfectly fine. Uh, one of the reasons we met is that we're starting here at the Cafecito on our rooftop. We're starting um, a concept of basically getting traveling nomads together. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you see, like, what are you... Do you have any prediction or like how do you see the whole nomadic tribe, the digital nomadic tribe after the, the pandemic? Because what I've noticed is that there's been a few people that have come into Cuenca in the last little while. And obviously they're all working on their computers, continuing digital nomad style. What sort of thoughts do you have on that? Yeah, the, the world, uh, a large portion of the world's workforce has, has moved to the, the work from home model, which uh, does give certain freedoms associated with that 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 I don't think have been enjoyed quite on the same scale that they are now. So the ability to work from anywhere, um, you know, as long as you meet your employer's requirements. And I absolutely think that that's going to be something that will continue to grow. Myself, I really like having the distinction between my workspace and my home space. I also really like having coworkers. Okay. A prior job that I had was caring for um, uh, disabled uh, adults. I didn't have coworkers. It was I would go to their house and I would help them to like do their grocery shopping and things like that. And when I transitioned out of that that job, I realized how important it was for me to have people around me that were on the same page as me as far as like the support uh, in my in my working. So I think things like co-working spaces are going to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the office that uh, I worked out of in Portland, the Airbnb office, was set up as a co-working kind of environment. We didn't have cubicles. We didn't. Ha- I mean, we had places that teams were assigned to, to generally to work in, but we mm-hmm. could work anywhere in the building that we wanted to. Okay. And it was comfortable. It felt like I was in a four-story coffee shop. I mean, they're just. Uh, it was amazing anyway i I think they're going to probably end up taking that building and everything that's inside of it and turning it into a co-working space because i think that's what people want Mm -hmm. especially as you know the pandemic you know resolves um and people feel more comfortable being able to go into co-working kind of spaces and when you yourself as are looking for a co-working space maybe two or three things that you would look for in a co-working space? I think uh, just like immediately what comes to mind is the ability to connect with others mm-hmm. when you want and to disconnect from others when you want and a culture around being able to express those boundaries. I am a highly social person and I really like being able to have co-workers and also having co-workers that you really love can be distracting when you have uh, work that you're trying to focus on. So I think having a culture of hey, I don't want to talk right now, I'm in the middle of something, and being able to to have that be a totally okay and normalized thing, as well as being able to welcome interaction uh, as a way to uh, energize yourself uh, in your workday. Okay. So John Smith is listening to us right now, and he's thinking, is this for me? Could I go off to another country and then get myself an apartment also and join one of these co-working spaces? <sighs> what? Uh, I'll tell what would you, you say to John? I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. When I was first just kind of reckoning with the reality that my life had become a blank canvas, mm-hmm. and I realized I could travel abroad if I wanted to and live somewhere else for a while, the prospects were scary of just getting rid of everything that I've loved and, and just 
whittling it down to a suitcase. And what really made me decide to leave home was the recognition that in the future, a, a year from now, two years from now, whenever, when I look back at the moment that I made the decision to leave, uh, or th th whether to leave or not to leave, I didn't want to make a decision that I would have wished to have made a different choice. Okay. I don't know if that, that makes sense. It's kind of worded it, the way I phrased yeah, that. But, it's but, sort of like, it's better to do it than to regret it. Yeah, yes. you know, just um, I, I always wondering what would have happened if I had, you know, not if I had had actually done it, and and because because what was going on in my hometown was predictable. Mm -hmm. It was you know it was it was the norm, and uh, and I loved it. I loved it, and okay. I also said goodbye to it. Okay. And so, um, but I only have this life to live right now, and I want to see things I haven't seen before. I want to be in places that challenge my paradigm. If I believe things that are false, they deserve to be broken. And one great way to do that is to expose yourself to the reality of different lives, different people. No, sounds very good. <laughs> sounds very good. So what do your friends and family, what do they say about the idea that you wanted to move away to Ecuador during this time period, you know, of Corona and all that? What did they have to say? What did people around you have to say about the move that you made? Some people think, oh, you're so brave. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think it takes more courage to stay. I don't know, courage, is that's the right word, just, it's more work. It's harder to stay put, I think, for me anyways. If I was to stay in my hometown, it would have been much more difficult. In what sense? In the sense, uh, for, first of all, everything, the, the, the political turmoil that's going on back in the United States. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. Also, like the pandemic is totally unchecked in the United States right now. Here in Ecuador, it's not politicized. You, you go outside, people wear their masks. You go into a business, they spray your hands with alcohol. You know, there's no perfect way to deal with a pandemic, but, you know, the people here are trying. And in the United States, there's been a lot of conflict about the reality of whether or not it's really a thing. And, you know, it's just the pandemic has has become a divisive topic there. So... From that perspective, it's easier here, easier to be here, um, I think, because it's not a divisive topic. Unlike the note of conspiracy theories, and I don't want to like dive into a, a whole thing on that, but um, I would rather be fooled into wearing a mask and to using rubbing alcohol for a fake pandemic Good than point. to be spreading a, a disease that could have really detrimental effects on whole communities and economies. Very good point. Mother, father, other relatives were like, okay, that's... They're just like, they're like, we understand why you want to do this, okay. You know, I was just, you know, some people have said that I'm brave for doing it, but I, I don't know if bravery is the word that I associate with myself in doing it. I just craving something different than I've ever experienced. I don't know. Seeking the unknown. Looking for the path that just opens on its own. Okay. Sounds, sounds. You know, it, it's, we've talked about it several times on the show of the idea that there's like a whole group of people out there calling you and you're being called. And so you, you're now one of the others that are on the other side. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, at the end of July, I was on a camping trip in the Cascade Mountains in Oregon uh, with some friends uh, near Brighton Bush Hot Springs uh, Resort, which has now been burned to the ground. Wow. Oh, because of all because the fires. Because of wildfires. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. uh, really, really tragic. But uh, I was out there camping. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she's like, you know, I was looking at flights, and to fly from 
Portland to Guayaquil is $140 one way. Uh I just, I think I'm going to go to Ecuador. And my friend, uh, she was like, well, I've been looking at going to Vietnam, but it's kind of a mess there right now. And, you know, uh, maybe I'll go to Ecuador, too. And she's also here in Cuenca now. (laughs) Okay, so maybe we'll have her on the next show. (laughs) Yeah, she's great. She's great. Yeah, she and her her partner, uh, he just arrived uh, a week ago. So... So now he's here too. <laughs> so I look forward to having them on. A, on so maybe people shows. are calling, you know, <laughs> calling other people, the interna- international we're, we're travel. We're being over, yeah. over. Okay. Well, thank you for <laughs> spending the time sitting down and talking with you. It was yeah. a short notice. Uh, yeah. We literally just met a few hours ago. And so it was nice uh, chatting with you. And then hopefully you enjoy the rest of your time here in Cuenca. And maybe we'll have you on again another time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening in. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to get a hold of Caspian, please take a look at the podcast notes to see how you could do so. Also in the podcast notes are information on how you could donate to the show. All contributions will be gratefully appreciated. Please take a look at our Facebook page to see the written stories. If you're someone that likes to write or have an idea for a future show, please send us an email to lcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. Any questions or comments or improvements for the show, also send an email to that same address, which is lcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. As always, I look forward to seeing you one day here in the El Cafecito in Cuenca. If you're someone that's here and you would like to come and look at our co-working space on our rooftop with a perfect view of Cuenca, you're welcome to stop by any Tuesday or Thursday or send us an email to find out some more information. All the best for now, and please stay safe.